Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. This is episode 82, and my guest for this episode is Pete Bersky. Uh, Pete plays in Sumeru and No Apologies um, and runs Brilliant Emperor Records. He is a great guitar player and a fantastic person. Uh, Pete put out the most recent Mental Cavity record, the band that I play in, so thanks for doing that, Pete. <laughs> we uh, we talked about Danzig and more specifically the first Danzig record. Um, when I say we talk about Danzig and we talk about the Danzig record, we did a bit. Most of it is just me and Pete talking about playing guitar and things like that, but it is relevant to to the uh, the scope of the record. Um, obviously, Pete's a big fan of this record, and it's something that I've gotten into more over the years. Definitely wasn't a big Danzig fan when I was younger, but have gotten more into this stuff over the last, I don't know, five or six years. Um, but yeah, we talk about that, talk about No Apologies, talk about Sumeru, talk about the label, um, talk about, you know us playing guitar together and things like that. It's a good little chin wag. Um, as I've mentioned on previous ones, let me know if there's someone you want me to talk to or there's a record you want me to talk about. Go to the socials, follow Brilliant Emperor, Pete's label, check out his bands, check out my bands, and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. This is episode 82 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Pete Bursky from Sumeru. And no apologies. Fucking brutal. Okay, Pete, thank you for doing my podcast with me. <laughs> thank you, Aaron, for having me on your podcast. <laughs> this is very funny well, doing we, doing that after we've just been talking for like. Oh no! Yeah, we've been talking. We should have recorded that. It's <laughs> probably going to be the uh, funnest part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about the first Danzig record. Um, yes. Why did you pick this record? Um, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know actually. Um, it just kind of came to me. I was just playing a bunch of music that I hadn't been listening to a while um, because, actually, of that uh, thing that's going around on Facebook of, you know, people posting their oh, yeah, yeah. most influential albums that they've um, ever had uh, and what impact that's had on it, you know. Yeah. Um, Dan- Danzig definitely, for me, is like one of the massive influences on me. Yeah. Um, Basically, just marks a point in the transition from where I started, you know, listening to much more, I guess, uh, you know, a bit, a bit more doom metal, more stoner stuff, um, and just really getting into that kind of riff aspect of guitar playing and, and music, you know. Yeah. Before that, it was all about, you know, just kind of thrashing out and, um, you know, just more, more punk rock and hardcore stuff. But this kind of, for me, I guess, was a turning point because it's like, Okay, listen to the groove, listen to the riff. It's like, wow, you know? Yeah. Blew me up completely. When did yeah. you When did you first hear it? Um, probably like late, it would have been like 99 or 2000, something like that. Yeah. I actually had the VHS. Uh, 
I think, well, that was the first time I heard it. I had the VHS of the old, the first the video that goes with the album. Yeah, so I'd never uh, heard of I this. Actually found, I actually found that, I think, at a clean-up or something like, you know. So, what um, is in the video? I don't, I've never heard of this before. Oh, the video is amazing. Um, <laughs> I actually watched it. I actually watched it before. Um, so, basically, it's, it's just like clip, video clips of the songs. Yeah. And then, you know, it starts off with a, with a Danzig an interview with Glenn. And he's just basically talking about, um, you know, violence and uh, this crazy T-shirt with, you know, Jesus' head getting ripped off or something, you know. <laughs> and then it cuts to another song and then... Uh, you know, it goes to Eerie Vaughn and they talk to him about what he does with his day and stuff like that and then cuts to John Christ and, you know, he's playing guitar and thrashing out on some solos. It's pretty cool. You know, they've all got, they've all definitely got a, a vibe about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it draws him. It's, it's rap. Yeah. So, did you, did you come to this through, like, through the Misfits though or did you just, was it something that came otherwise? Yeah, it came through the Misfits. So yeah. I was going, I was kind of had a big Misfits stage as well. Um, and then that kind of led led to Danzig. Yeah. Uh, for me. And funnily enough, I haven't, I've completely skipped the Samhain, Samhain stage. Yeah. So I've still got that whole era to check out, you know. Wow. I haven't even listened to many Samhain records. Now's the time, fan, mate. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, now's the time. Well, um, I'm lucky. Well, I'm home. lucky in that regard, you know. <laughs> so, I've kind of, I went Misfits and then Danzig and it's been like Danzig for 20 years. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I, even, I even like all the other, all the later records as well, like the weird, you know, industrial stuff and all that. Yeah. Kind of the more recent ones, not so much, but. Um, it's just. Know, Danzig 5 and stuff was, I thought was rad, you know. Yeah. It's really interesting for me with, like, with someone like him, though, I guess, thinking how he has now ostensibly had, you know, been involved with, like, well, I mean, effectively, he was involved, he's, like, directly involved with, like, two of the biggest alternative, you know, segments of music. Like, the punk Mm -hmm. band that he sang for is obviously one of, like, the most important punk bands in history at this point. And then, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then, like all this stuff as well is he's like a huge figure in metal now as well. Like of like through two totally different things. Like I I don't really know if there's anyone else that's really had such a big. I guess of two things that often are very divided that sit very separately from one another. He's managed to transverse both of them, and I mean, obviously now he's kind of a bit of a you know a bit of like a caricature of himself but <laughs> you know um at yeah, the he's se- donald trump of heavy music <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got the hair to suit that as well <laughs> exactly yes he could, do, he could pull it off <laughs> um i think my my first thing with this i mean not like i similarly like heard the misfits first obviously because you know of shirts or whatever when i was younger and then yeah. when i I guess when I heard Danzig for the first time, I was already like deep into metal. So it didn't really, it didn't really resonate too much with me when I first heard it. It's not been until like more recently in my life that his music has actually, 
well, the Danzig stuff particularly was something that I got interested in. Like, I mean, I remember very specifically, like, me and Jake, in fact, getting into, like, little arguments about Danzig years and years and years ago when yeah. I was, like, in trying to make I exist a stoner band when it was still, like, yeah. a crust band. <clears throat> and Jake's point of reference at that time was Danzig. And I was like, no, not like Danzig, man. <laughs> Fucking fuck Danzig. It's like this. But then now, like- I feel so stupid for saying that because I should have just said to him like, yes, exactly like that. Just yes. do, <laughs> do that thing. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Black Sabbath's a big influence on, on a lot of those songs. Mm. Um, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I think. It's, yeah. It's so, basically like it's blues metal, really. Like yeah, that. yeah. Those first few albums. I always like, I really associate it. I think when I first started appreciating it more, the way I always, the way it hooked into me was like, it's kind of like a, this record, at least to me, sounds kind of like, like a goth ACDC. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. like, cause it's got, it's got a lot of big, like proper blues progressions. Whereas I would say like Sabbath stuff followed more like verse chorus riff progressions. Whereas mm-hmm. this follows far more like your standard your standard blues progressions, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, but do you, is that something like when, when you got into this, was that like, was that something that impacted on guitar playing for you then? Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I was, I was, I was kind of listening as well. I mean, it was kind of like the way I kind of see it. It's like you were, you were either there when it happened and it kind of was like Danzig would have just been like, wow, this fucking band is powerful, you know? Yeah. But then, like, those whole kind of, like, up until the early 90s and through, you know, to the late 90s, kind of music just became so such so much more brutal. Yeah. It was like, if, if you missed that whole thing, you were kind of like, well, that just sounds like a fucking crappy rock and roll band. Like, if, you, if, if you're a young kid that's just kind of craving this brutality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like you were saying before, like, you've got to, I guess mature into a dancing these days almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, so like basically, for me it was like, and what was it, what was it, what was the question? Oh again? no, just just more about about guitar playing because I guess if at that yeah, time yeah, so you, yeah. you'd probably already come from you know you I assume by that point you were already playing pretty regularly in bands and stuff, right? Yeah, I was playing a lot. Um, but yeah, so yeah, going back to what you said, it's like the the whole Danzig thing kind of erupted for me when I was like going really deep into ACDC and stuff like that. Yeah, which again is like another really blues based kind of mm. rock and roll rock and roll thing. So, um, <clears throat> kind of, I, I really wanted to kind of do a band like Danzig and like ACDC and all that, but I just never. I know I was writing songs and kind of practicing. With a couple of guys, but um, never really, never really kind of came together for me until kind of Sumeru happened, which was like just a mashup of all the things I ever wanted to do. Yeah, you know, in one band. Um, so I think I think earlier Sumeru stuff was maybe like my kind of expression of you know, kind of something that is a. Along the, along the lines of that influence coming from Danzig, you know, yeah. for me. Um, so it kind of gets, kind of gets, you know, 
expressed through that, I guess, you know. Yeah. For me personally and in my guitar playing, I guess, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, like, that's – as a, as a player, like, the riffs on the on the record are just so simple but so – Yeah, yeah. Amazing, you know. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's not – not really how I play as a as a guitar player. At the same time, you know. Yeah. It's a bit. I'm a kind of a bit more maybe techy riffy kind of rather than just looking for a real simple kind of groovy riff. You know. Mm. Well, I mean, I, that, that was that's one of the things like that immediately sticks out for me on this record is that like all the songs are like ve- I, I mean a very simple structure wise and a very simple in terms of just being like pretty pretty uh easy to figure out like rock metal like riffer songs but they i mean the which is obviously why he's it's fucking his band but the this the the hooks of like the choruses are what like are what set off all those songs you know absolutely yeah like every song has a like a hook catchy hook chorus kind of thing you know yeah it has a hook and it it just grabs you and you're like fucking hell, you just want to put on black leather pants and you know, <laughs> just crush a beer can on your head, you know, like, yeah, it, it, that's how it makes you feel. Um, but, it, it, you know, and it's also the band that he's got, you know, like yeah. Chuck Biscuit, Erie One on Bass and John Christ, like, that's that's why kind of after the fourth Danzy record, it's like you, you can't recapture that. Yeah. Punch, you know, in that in that in that kind of that groove that they had, you know, together, mm. that made those hooks, you know, yeah, yeah, it made it pop out. It was just like, fuck, like it's just a, it's a perf- it's a winning combination band, you know? yeah. Um, so is this? Do you think? I mean, people are very uh, different about their opinion on this, but like, is this your favorite record from of those first four? Uh, th- number three. Oh, look, I mean, they've all got amazing stuff. The number three is probably, in terms of guitar playing, number three is just, I mean, yeah, uh, off its head, you know, like even kind of, you just listen to what John John's doing on guitar and the, the many layers that are in that record. It's just like, wow, you know. Yeah. I think he even said like he had to kind of, he had to fight to kind of get his parts kind of heard on that record because if he wasn't there in the studio, they were going to like, you know, delete parts and stuff like that. Oh, really? If you listen to the, yeah, if you listen to the riffs, like, there's so many layers, like, and it's kind of, whereas Danzig one's, like, just kind of straight rhythm guitar. Yeah. Lead stuff, you know, there's not there's not many layers to it. Um, but Danzig three is, like, there's a lot of stuff on it, you know. Yeah. And I know that he was, like, had to fight to kind of have all that stuff added in and, and kept, you know. Well, that's, um, like. That's pretty, yeah. But in terms of. In terms of like songs, I would say one is my favorite. You know? Yeah. In, in just overall kind of band stuff, you know. Mm. Two, two is just like a sick blues record, but yeah. doesn't have as many great songs as one does, you know. Yeah. And then four, four is kind of like, um, <clears throat> four is like the angry record, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He um, it's I've always found it interesting. Well, and I guess I've never experience to myself really of being in i mean actually you know maybe maybe it's me that's maybe that's why i've never experienced it but like i've never experienced being in a band where like someone like the singer is like 
the boss like and they're just like this is how it's gonna be <laughs> and particularly when like the band ostensibly i mean it's like being in bon jovi like it is it's his yes. his name <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah um, well, i think it was yeah it was, it was rick rubin's idea actually to have yeah have 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 it as like because when he approached danzy he was like you know i want to sign you like Sack because it was Sam Hain when he saw him and he was like, I want to sign you, you know, not get rid of your guitarist and get rid of Yuri Vaughn, um, which he convinced him to keep. But he was like, I just want you and it's going to be based around what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, things yeah. like that probably don't help the person that he's now become. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really <laughs> blowing up that ego. <laughs> Oh well. Yeah, you ran, you ran with it. That's for sure. <laughs> um. So I guess if you think about, um, I, I guess the influence for this. I mean, prior, I suppose for you though, I guess towards the towards the end of like no apology stuff started having a lot of like licks thrown in as well. Was that? Mm-hmm. Do you think that was? Like, was that you trying to go more the way that you ended up going with Sumeru? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Sumeru is just a continuation of where No Apologies was going, you know, mm. uh, especially with that more bluesier riffage, you know. Yeah. And that's, for me, that's a direct influence, like coming out of Danzig stuff and, and, and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, ab- Absolutely. It was kind of like there's a few songs on Survival that are like you're really getting into that bluesy groove stuff, but it's still tough and it's still hard, you know. Yeah. Um, but it kind of so so you can kind of hear Sumeru already coming through, mm. um, and then we recorded that. <clears throat> it was like one song we recorded for a comp that Pete put out, um, and that's kind of like. Basically, the first Sumeru song, almost, you know, <laughs> just, just with Pete on vocals. <laughs> um, called what was it? Beyond the Beyond or something? Yeah. Yeah. And was, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Was that something that, um, like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if I like Pete had done has done the old. Well, he did the old version of this podcast, but I don't know if I asked him this. But like, was that something that was? At the time with the, the group of you when you wrote, were writing that stuff for No Apologies, was that like accepted that, yeah, we can put these parts in or was that you trying to throw those things in because that's the way you wanted to go with playing guitar? Yeah, no, it was it was definitely like let, let's just kind of go with whatever we want to do, you know, and yeah. everyone was on board, you know. Mm. Um, we were kind of like almost doing it to kind of, like we were doing it as an active kind of exploration for the band, you know, like not a, not like, oh, this sounds cool. Like, yeah, fuck, man, we should do that. It was like, let's try and find something that is us, you know. Yeah. And something we love and what, what really resonates with us, you know. And everyone was on board for that. Um, I mean, me and Pete did most of the writing and then I kind of was just writing with Andreas the songs and basically recorded everything for the record. Um so I kind of didn't have anyone else there to kind of influence the the riffs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it was definitely even like because like Todd Jones wrote Survival. Yeah. And even he 
like he was living here with Pete for a bit and he was like, you know, you guys should just totally fucking just do what you want, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, I guess that's where we went with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's interesting with that though. Like, I mean, even, even a person like him too, where he has now ended up with his music from, you know, ended up going down like, you know, what is, you know, quite a well-known like metal band now from, yeah. but from starting from the same sort of trajectory, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. It's real. I, I do find it very interesting. I mean, and it does, it does seem like a relatively common thing to happen. And I mean, this record I feel is a good example of it too, where when people start in punk and hardcore and end up getting far more like musical as their mm-hmm. as their age blossoms maybe or as they get older like because yeah. i mean it's i mean it's the same for all like you know the guys in i exist i mean like yeah. murph and alex they're you know for you know punk and hardcore guys that now you know murph played on the i exist records murph played all the acoustic guitar bluesy acoustic guitar parts you know like yeah 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 you know, and but he, you know, he didn't come from that. He came from, you know, playing in hardcore bands and stuff. So it's quite interesting that people, that that's sort of a trajectory that develops for a lot of people in this scene, I suppose. Yeah, I've, I've always, I've always um, admired that about the hardcore scene, especially like, kind of, not not to blow our own horn <laughs> as people who are part of it and were part of it, um, but. Like it's they're very adaptive, you know. It kind yeah. of something about that the style of of music, like hardcore and punk, that just opens people up, you know. Eventually, I mean, you start out and you're very kind of, you know, when you're young, you're you, you're a diehard fucking hardcore punk rocker, like just you know nothing else matters really. But you know, um, if if that just get, is allowed to evolve, you just naturally evolve into this kind of really versatile kind of open person that's into a lot of different styles of music, you know, really creative in a lot of different areas, you know? Yeah. Um, if you look at what what some people have done, like coming out of out of punk rock and, and hardcore, it's pretty amazing, you know? Um, <laughs> Dan, Danzig, this first Danzig record being one of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I think it, that, that stuff's like, and I think, to be honest, that it, it's a lot of that is what, gets looked over in in a broader sense too is um yeah. is like you know is the the cool places where people started with stuff you know i mean yeah. even you know to to a different a different sort of like side part to that but you know like like a band like down for example like all those dudes <laughs> landed on that after doing the way more like heavy or brutal version of it and then landed on that sort of music you know it's just another interesting view on it and i mean i don't know if it's because i don't know necessarily if it's like taste maturing but i think a lot of it's just to do with like stuff that you want to keep listening to like and i i by like i mean you know like even just like yesterday i posted a thing on the internet asking people to tell me like records they love listening to the whole way through and I was getting so many, like, rock ones and stonery ones and things like that, obviously, because of the people that, you know, follow me on the internet or whatever. But then as well, I was getting, still getting, you know, pretty surprised by some people throwing in, like, older hardcore records that I, you know, 
I'd not listened to in a while and like yeah. and then and then listening to them too and it's like those those obviously still hold up just as well it's not like I don't like it anymore but I think yeah. something yeah. about at least me playing music myself has sort of ended up down that down that sort of more you know I don't know if, if it's like more bass level rock but it's just something that I don't know if it's the hooks or what it is but it just it makes yeah. you want to keep listening to it makes you want to keep doing yeah, yeah, it yeah 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 I, I think it's I think it's the grooves you know like um, some some people can just play and just tap into something that goes beyond whether it has to be technical or not, you know. Yeah. Which is again what this record is about for me. It's not, although although the playing is is world class. At the same time, like you know, um, apart from guitar player John, like they're not you know crazy jazz musicians or yeah big tech. You know, they're just like really getting stuck into like the that primal kind of groove yeah. thing and that that's that's what um transcends everything in my in my opinion especially as if as i get you know deeper and deeper into music um it seems to be all i care about i'm not really even into guitar solos anymore i just want to like find that riff that kind of yeah, yeah transcends everything you know yeah <laughs> Um, and trying on stage just to go into that trance with it, you know. Mm. How, um, when, I guess, what what was your sort of, um, you know, tr- I guess transitioning as a guitar player from playing punk and hardcore into playing stuff like this, did that come to you through, like, w- were you, like, actively, like, trying to learn more about playing guitar or was it just naturally you just started playing like this because of what you were listening to? Yeah, well, after um, I played a few years playing guitar, like I, I decided to go and study music and did a degree in music and all that. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, took me about six or something, seven years to complete. Uh, so I was really, ex- I was just exposed constantly, like, you know, it was kind of full-time study, so I was just exposed constantly to so many different styles of music and was studying so many different styles of music Um in particular, like jazz and classical music and all that. So I got right into the theory, right into um, <clears throat> kind of like jazz harmony and all that stuff. Yeah. And I guess that's what kind of just blew me open in terms of kind of just not being afraid to listen to just whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and not not letting what I listened to define who I was, you know. Mm. Um, so even though you know you just have this kind of really rich and interesting life of kind of delving into different pockets of different styles of music. Um, for me, it was like really, really getting into the, the kind of nuts and bolts of music um, really just opened me up. It wasn't kind of like, yeah, I'm, I want to now learn how to shred or, you know, play these crazy death metal riffs or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, everything just kind of, just I guess exploded and opened up when I began when I really began to study music, you know. Yeah, and at that time, were you still was that still like concurrent with when like No Apologies was happening and things like that? Yeah, No Apologies was like right in the heart of that stuff, you know. Yeah, right. When I was like deep deep in the jazz realm, I was like that was when No Apologies was happening. I was finishing my degree. Um, I actually I just finished my degree, and. That's when we were doing the No Apologies record, I think. Yeah, right. 
right around the same time. So kind of all that stuff was kind of coming through in the music um, and it was, you know, there was no, no one was holding me back in terms of like, oh, maybe that's going a bit too far or anything, you know. Even yeah, yeah. The kind of record doesn't sound like that, but there's a lot of interesting ideas in there and, you know, a lot of the riffs are based on, um, you know, some crazy like scale, whole tone scales and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, uh, I was definitely putting all that stuff into the record, you know, mm. um, 100%. And then also, you know, um, just kind of, I guess, yeah, we were just allowing it to come through, you know, yeah. not being held back. I was kind of, I, I look back on it and I think, wow, it was, it was very, very lucky to have that, you know. Yeah. Especially have someone like Peter Bordy's, um say, yeah, go for it, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. like, he, cannot, he obviously could sense that it was the way that, you know, it needed to go, but also yeah. the way that was going to be the fucking catchiest version of it too, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he was like, you know, let's um, let's just do whatever the fuck we want. You know, that was yeah. basically we had sat in the car one night. He dropped me off, and he's like, "Want to do this record? Let's just do fucking whatever." You know, yeah. Even if it doesn't sound like hardcore record, fuck it. Who cares? You know, mm. let's just do this. So, um, so when so it, like you were saying before, like Sumeru sort of ends up resulting in being kind of an extension then of where that where that stuff was going. Was it when when Sumeru actively starts becoming its own band? Is are things like this Danzig record things that Im- impact on that first that first bunch of songwriting you did for that? Um, not not actively. Like I wasn't listening to Danzig a lot when when um, Sumeru got started. Yeah. You know? Like maybe I was actually no, I was. I was. I was. I'd had the second wave. The, actually, the first. Now I remember. So when Sumeru started, I was like dyeing my hair black. My jeans were super tight. I was like skinny ass and I was going out a lot. So <laughs> it was like Danz- it was a Danzig time. <laughs> it was definitely a Danzig time, yeah, yeah, I remember. So I was I was like right into the second Danzig album by then. Um, yeah, I was, I was definitely in a Danzig. St- I was in a very deep Danzig stage actually. Yeah. And I'll probably just- uh, when Sumeru was, was sort of getting kicked off, I guess. Um, what else would be, yeah. like, the main influences for you guys around that time? Um, well, High on Fire was a big one. Yeah. You know. Um, I was listening to a lot of Pentagram as well. Yep. Which is kind of like, again, in that Danzig realm, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a few of the songs, like, I just, I wanted to kind of, like, just do Danzig, but, like, tune it down to drop A, you know? <laughs> and see see if that could work. Yeah. Don't don't ever feel like I kind of got there with it, but I was kind of, like, tossing around with that like, idea, I guess, you know? How, how did you land on that tuning? Because, I mean, that's obviously very different to, no apologies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we started off. In the same, well, that, that the final No Apologies song we recorded was actually, well, I'll start again. No Apologies started in E. Yeah. Right? In standard E tuning. Then second wave No Apologies with, you know, the survival record on that and all that. That's in D. Uh, final No Apologies song we recorded, that's in C. 
So you know, you, you, you just know where drop, we're going. You, you know? just drop the next, <laughs> just, drop that just string down. Every, every release, we, yeah, every year we tune down a half step <laughs> and um, get to 2010, and you're in, you're in, yeah, A sharp actually. Yeah. So now now we're in drop A, so we're even lower. Uh, so you know. I don't I don't think we'll go lower than this. In your in your age, you just want those strings to be fluffy and fluffier. And yeah, well, you don't want to you don't want to have to play fast. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> too hard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so tune low, play slow, get old, all the rest. Yeah, it's a pretty easy formula to follow. I've done the yeah. same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's hints of it on the new mental cavity record. Yeah, Which well. <laughs> That was well. The funny thing with that that song, and we did one like it on the on the first record, was I didn't have one of those pedals like that. Rowan's got that pedal that uh, the octave one or whatever. So uh-huh. it was drop tuned, and then he hit the octave. But because I didn't have one of those pedals when I was writing riffs like that at home, I just tuned it down to like F or whatever it is. <laughs> And, like, my tuner can't even pick up the note. I just have to go off the harmonic on the 12th fret to get the note. Yeah. 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 And when we recorded, the, when we recorded the, that that really detuned song on the first Mental Cavity record, I didn't use the pedal because I wrote the riff. Oh. So, I just tuned it down and then we had to stop, like, every, like, four bars, we'd have to stop recording so I could get the string back in tune and then we would <laughs> record the next four bars. But then when we did the one on this record, we were like, we just used the pedal because it's just really weird. Those those octave pedals, you can kind of hear the modulation maybe. Like, you can hear that it's not yeah. a natural note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we- Which fe- can be cool, you know? Yeah, and we, that's what we thought. We, we, we use that a bit as well. Like, Chris has an octave pedal that even- makes us lower than mm. <laughs> what we are. Um, yeah. But the but thing- Yeah, that, it's a great- The thing great that fit. we found with it that worked really well on the on the, the one that we did on the- on Neurosage is like, um, we recorded like two tracks with the pedal and then we recorded two without the octave on and just had those blended lower. So, at least- yep. At yep. least the weird modulation was actually like covered up by- it being played an octave higher and it sounded fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So, there's an interesting yeah, tidbit. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that that's maybe even how we stumbled across the drop A tuning for us was that Chris had that pedal. Yeah. And I was like, well, why don't we just tune to that anyway? <laughs> it sounds so <laughs> it sounds good. sounds so good. We're like, you, we keep wanting you to use it, so let's just, like, go there, you know? <laughs> there's a video yeah. of... When I Exist played hardcore the first time and we played with four guitar players and yeah. Kelly played one whole, like, it's on YouTube, but, like, one whole song Kelly's playing with one of those Pog pedals turned on the whole time. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know whether he actively chose to do it or if he just accidentally turned it on. But it's really <laughs> funny because when the camera goes from one side of stage, like, on Josh's side, it's all, like, Whittly and solos and then it pans between like Sam, Alex and me and it goes like pretty <laughs> low and then it goes to Kelly and it sounds like someone's playing like a synthesizer and then it goes- <laughs> it's so funny. But like to me, that I mean, to me, music like this and like music like Superman plays and like what I exist play as well, like 
that that's always a big thing for me with stuff like this too. I think as I've gotten older, not that I'm like less serious about what I want to do, but like music like this is so fun to play. Like it is, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it you know, like having that groove and having that vibe, even if you are like, like you mentioned, like you get yourself in that trance, but like the trance is like, it's just so catchy doing it, you know, with yeah. the, with the hooks and stuff like that, you know, it may, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what won me over so much with that stuff. And I think that's why like a band like I exist as well. Like when it started, it was kind of like a crust punk band or whatever, like a tragedy yeah. type thing. And then mm-hmm. we wrote like, I just put like a blues riff in it. And then everyone in the band was like, oh, that's the best part of an I exist song. So let's just make <laughs> that part the entire band. band. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think I think that's that's why probably this record is the one where I know all the riffs. Yeah. I probably could play every single riff on this dancing <laughs> record easily. Yeah. You know? um, it's hard to cover this stuff because it's hard to get that Get, get in that pocket that the guys get on the record, but just playing along with it is just so fun and it's fucking just feels, makes you feel so good, you know? Yeah. Uh, for for like a very brief period, and I mean, we we have been talking about trying to do it again, but for for like six months, I jammed with Beltsy and Gordy on like a band that was effectively like, Beltsy was just like, I want to do a band that sounds like Danzig. And I have, yeah. so, you know, he has so much capacity to write songs because he's so good at oh, it. Of course. Yeah. And he wrote all these songs and like, <clears throat> it was really funny because I mean, him and Gordy had been jamming on it for a little while and I was playing guitar and like, I, I said yes, thinking like, oh, I can play fucking Danzig songs. That's a piece of piss. Like, I'm good enough at guitar to play Danzig songs. Little did I know it was going to be like, you know, Beltsy's version of a Danzig song, which is like- <laughs> the hardest guitar playing I've ever had to do in my entire <laughs> life. Like I, every other band I've ever played guitar and I've just had to like learn the riffs and then I'll remember them forever. But when I was jamming that stuff with Belty, it was like, I had to practice guitar like every day and I was just practicing his songs. <laughs> like it wasn't even, <laughs> but I mean, hopefully- yeah, I can see that. <laughs> we have, we have been talking about, we were talking about prior to a, uh, coronavirus we were talking about starting to jam again so hopefully hopefully that happens because yeah it was like um alan who's in grim rhythm who also does a like misfits danzig cover band sang for it because he can do like a perfect danzig impersonation basically jealous hopefully (laughs) hopefully at some point that band happens again i did say when he when he talked to me about it i was like oh man I got a bass now. I'll just play bass. Like I gotta get away from that hard <laughs> guitar playing. Well, I'll, I'll play guitar if you want. I'd love to play guitar in that band. If you need another guitar player, <laughs> well, I'll tell Beltsy to listen to this podcast, <laughs> and then he can. Beltsy, let me join your Danzig band. I've even got a Danzig tattoo. So there you go. So yeah. you're a you're a shoo-in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So if. Would you, w- would this be the record you would tell people to listen to first if they were going to listen to Danzig? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Just yeah. got to, I mean, um, I mean, I think for me, like really as much as it is like, it's pretty naff to say like the most popular song is a really good perspective, but like, I mean, Mother deserves like all the hype it gets for being like absolutely, yeah. such a classic yeah. ripping tune. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, like it's like, oh, okay, fair enough, we're having another conversation about Danzig and blah, blah, blah. But, like, can you top that song? Really? <laughs> so, so you can't. <laughs> it's the best, like, best song ever. Like, it's such a The emotion that's in it, you know. Mm. Um, I was doing some research on the song and all that, and it's actually, it's actually about um, the censorship. Oh, really? Yeah. So the the P PMRC um, back in the eighties was like this kind of the organisation that did all the censorship and put the sticker those kind of parental advisory stickers mm -hmm. on records and stuff. Um, so the songs are kind of a, a kind of a stab at, a stab at those because the Danzig record got got labelled with that. Yeah. Right. That stuff, right? Um, so yeah, funnily enough, it's uh it's a song about censorship, you know. There you uh, go. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either, no, until a couple of days ago. And it kind of like, you know, it kind of this reading the lyrics, I always thought it was kind of this, you know, one of Danzig's occultish, yeah, yeah. Uh, delvings into something, you know. Um, but yeah. That's that's not what it is. <laughs> well, thank you, Danzig, for expressing uh, your feelings on censorship for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so tell, uh, it wouldn't be a true podcast interview conversation if we didn't talk about the other things that you do at the moment. So, I mean, the, I guess the biggest thing that's taken up a lot of time lately has been doing the label stuff, huh? Yeah, so I did Brilliant Emperor Records, um, which I've kind of just kind of, been super busy with, ridiculously busy with the past kind of year. Yeah. Uh, kind of just fell into that. I, I didn't even kind of have a plan to start a label in a way that was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a label and I'm going to do this, this, and this. Um, I kind of, it was just an idea in the back of my mind. Oh, yeah, it'd be cool to start a label one day. And then, you know, I really wanted to release the Sumeru record, um, our last record, Summon Destroyer on vinyl. But uh, couldn't couldn't find anyone to put it out, so I was just like, well, let's just do it like a Kickstarter campaign, and that was really successful. And then I kind of used that as a springboard um, to launch the label because I kind of wanted the record to have some sort of label, yeah, kind of, you know, sticker on it. But, um, so yeah, that's that's how that got started. Uh, and then you know, I'm kind of right into the whole. Dungeon synth and dark ambient stuff at the moment. Yeah. So, I've I've kind of done a few releases in that in that vein uh, on the label. Um, that's kind of what set the label off, I guess, in terms of like making it an active kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's you know did the mental cavity record together. Yeah. Play our share um, recently. Snorlax been super successful. Yeah. Uh, it's been great. Uh, and yeah, we got got a bunch of stuff planned for this year. Maybe some new mental cavity stuff. Yeah, fucking. Uh, we better. <laughs> yeah. I got to do something uh, with these goddamn guitars in this downtime. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that that's been taking up a lot of time actually. Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot. Of fun. It's it's a lot of hard work, kind of doing a label by yourself and trying to keep all bases covered. But I really enjoy it. It's like you know, you kind of. If, if you if you like something and you really want to back it, then you kind of put the the energy and time into it, like you're actually a, a, a part of the band, you know. 
Yeah, I um, mean, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to bring to the label. It's it's like, you know, fair enough, release a band's record, but can you do it in a way where you kind of feel like you're in the band also? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think well, obviously, I mean, we did you know our record with you, and, and I think the the coolest thing about us doing that was like, you know, every like we we would have you know relatively meaningful conversations about everything that we did and it wasn't like you didn't think anything that we came to you with was stupid <laughs> like which is which is a, which is a good thing <laughs> not not saying that people you know well, you you were the one with the good ideas well there you go but not saying that i mean there there's definitely been things in the past where like god love him but like we you know with i exist would say things to graz and he just go Oh no, nah, mate, we we can't do that. <laughs> and we just go, okay, cool. <laughs> Didn't think you were going to say yes, but I had to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. That's Graza. Yeah, that is. Thank you Graz, <laughs> for helping me have a music career. Um, <laughs> there's a reason why he's got far more to do with this than I do. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's maybe that's the trick. Just like, just go. Just not, yeah, just kind of sit back and just go, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, I guess, is that is that where you... I suppose, I think, f- for me, it, it seems like a natural thing with the way the world is turning with music anyway, though. I mean, it seems like, you know, quite a lot of it... I mean, every, I mean, obviously, pretty much everything now is predominantly based online, but it, there's still a big desire for, like, a physical medium for everything. I mean... I know me personally, it's still really important to make sure there's always vinyl and there's always like a <clears> something <throat> tangible. It's not just songs on the internet, you know? Yeah, Is that something yeah. that you want to try and keep making sure happens with the label? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd love to have the time and the effort to kind of make it a bit more um, like sustainable and maybe like environmentally friendly, you mm-hmm. know? I think there's a, just a glut of stuff in the world that kind of <laughs> um, is not not really beneficial to us. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like long term, that's something I'll definitely like to look at. But um, yeah, it, it's just another way to like express the band creatively, you know. Yeah. Through, like a good, a good quality physical piece of artwork, you know, which it, which is what it is, you know. It's not a it's not a record. It's like it's an extension of the music. Yeah. It holds the music. You know, so it has to be done, has to be done really well, and it has to be cared for, you know, just as much if you give a shit about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, hundred percent. I'd love to keep it going. Um, I never, uh, I mean, I'm not a massive personally. I'm not a massive like record collector or anything like that. Yeah. I kind of I, I sold all my records a long time ago, and everything is on my iTunes now. Um, but you know. Well, kind of the only physical stuff I have is what I what I actually have released, you know. And yeah. recently, I'm slowly building up a collection of stuff just because of the label and people sending you things and all that. Um, but but yeah, it's kind of it's helped me just I guess to treasure kind of um, the physical format of, of of a record or a tape or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't really collect. I mean, basically, I just buy stuff that I know that I like or that I want to own or I want to listen to or whatever. But I mean, I do think it is particularly being in a band like 
there is something so satisfying about you know holding a record and having having the you know i mean particularly like you put like you just mentioned like I don't make the artwork or at least I don't actively try and make the artworks for the things that I do shit, you know, like I want it to look yeah. good so that I can exactly. have a big version of it, you know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Every, oh, look, everyone wants a physical good looking version of, of what they've, what they've recorded, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's not the case <laughs> in terms of how, how things are kind of, you know, produced, but. I think ultimately that's what everyone wants, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's um I mean obviously everyone at the moment's been pretty rattled and lots of plans have been stopped by everything that's going on, but what's um like what's next and planned with Sumeru? Uh well we're recording at the moment. We've got um well, we've, we have recorded. Uh you know, we got we got Jake on vocals recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake from I exist. The great man, uh, my oldest friend. Man. Yeah, um, so he's joined the band, and we really wanted to record some stuff with him. So we've done that. Uh, we've got three new songs recorded. Really, had we got Mike uh, Deslandis up? Yeah, record two of those, and then um, Mark Matula, uh, who did some stuff on the Summon Destroyer album, he's recorded one song as well. Yeah, cool. and then we've got two two tracks um, with Matt singing on from the. In the last uh, Summon Destroy session. So we've got two unreleased songs from there, so that makes five. Um, so we're just kind of working on that. We're mixing. Actually, I just got a te- text message I saw from Mark. He sent through a mix. Um, yeah, sick. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, the new stuff's much more heavier. It's much more kind of more brutal, you know, yeah. especially with Jake. It's kind of like headed down a much more kind of war metal off perfect for especially him. in terms of the lyrics <laughs> <laughs> given given his you know um his penchant for paraphernalia his penchant, penchant for war paraphernalia and uh, camouflage so yep. we don't sound like bolt thrower yet but we're working towards it you'll get there we'll get there we'll get there good one yeah. <laughs> all right well i'm gonna stop recording here but thank you very much for doing this mate and um, yeah. maybe next time we do this, we can talk about a different dancing record. Yeah, we can actually talk about a dancing record. <laughs> I think that's that's been the greatest um, effort by a lot of us with the, a lot of these that I've done so far is talking relatively loosely about the record. But as long as it gets a nod, you know, there's an opinion. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's, you know. That's 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 the main thing you want is to just start a good have a good conversation. That's and it. I think man. we've had a good conversation. So well, thank yeah. you for it's, participating. It's been a <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. Yeah.